Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Earlier this month, the U.S. Special Forces operation against the leader of Daesh, or ISIL, Ibrahim Karaishi, also known as Hajj Abdullah, was apparently successful on two levels. It removed from the scene a supreme commander who had a major role in the Islamic State's efforts to regroup and once again take over parts of Syria. It also raised the possibility that Daesh will not be able to function under a single authority of a so-called caliphate, but from now on act in a decentralized fashion through its various geographical provinces. Is this the way ahead for the Islamist movement, which several years ago terrorized large parts of Iraq and Syria, but was beaten back and lost its territorial conquests, though not its virtual hold, on many Muslims in the Levant and elsewhere? Joining us to deliberate this topic, all the way from Washington, D.C., is retired Brigadier General Mark Kimmett, who is the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for Political and Military Affairs. Thank you for joining us, General. Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Brigadier General in Reserve Yossi Kuperwasser, who is a Project Director on Middle East Developments at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Thank you for joining us as well, General. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's also a pleasure to have our editor-at-large, TV7's uh, host of Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the current state of play vis-a-vis the Islamic State. So a few points regarding um, ISIS or Daesh after Qurayshi. First of all, uh, President Biden uh, made sure that when he spoke about this operation afterwards, of course, he said that the uh, mission was to capture Qurayshi, not capture or kill, as uh, some of his predecessors uh, used to term the operations against bin Laden and other terrorist uh, leaders, but capture, and as he said, he cowardly set off the um, explosive uh, belt. Why, why is it important for Biden to say that he only wants to capture terrorist leaders rather than to kill them? Uh, this is for him uh, to explain. The other point is that he wanted to show that even over the horizon, the way uh, the U.S. posture has been described following the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan, one can, uh, of course, execute uh, such uh, an operation. And now for for ISIS after uh, Qurayshi, it is said that uh, the Shura Council, which is going uh, to appoint leaders um, in such uh, situations, will find it hard to find a real replacement, because um, it may have some operational uh, commanders, but not an ideological leader who can mesmerize masses. And therefore, apparently, the districts or provinces may have to act uh, in a decentralized fashion. They will not get the same funding from the central vaults or coffers of uh, the um, ISIS uh, organization. And uh, maybe they will act on their own 
without any discipline. So it is too early to tell whether this will turn out to be a positive or a negative development. Indeed. I'd like to refer the first question, actually, to General Kupelwasser. Uh, as the former Israeli uh, general in charge of uh, the intelligence directorate's uh, research division, to what degree do you regard uh, the assassination earlier last week uh, as a success that, uh, of course, uh, has brought ramifications that would now diminish uh, the Islamic State's capacity to uh, immediately find a new leader and, and deal uh, accordingly to its uh, envisioned aspirations of reconquering and, and reestablishing a caliphate across uh, the Levant and beyond? First of all, there was no assassination. Uh... Uh, Quraishi uh, killed himself. There was some uh, suicide uh, explosion that uh, led to his death and to the death of the, uh, his, uh, the people around him, most of them out of his family. So uh, there was no assassination. But uh, he's not with us anymore and he's not the leader of uh, ISIS anymore. And so, uh, of course, I think this is going to be uh, some sort of a blow for uh, for the organization that's going to take some time to recover from it, uh, because somebody has to take uh, responsibility for the overlooking the entire activities of uh, ISIS uh, around the world, and uh, it's going to take uh, a while before somebody gets the same uh, buy-up, the same uh, allegiance of everybody in the organization in his leadership. That said, uh, the Islamic State is, is uh, an idea uh, that has an organization and uh, not just a regular organization. In, the sense, in this sense, I think that uh, the logic that stands behind its activities is still going to be with us for a while uh, because it's uh, still very catchy for a lot of people inside the Islamic extremist uh, camp. And uh, we shall see them going on with their activities. And uh, since uh, ISIS operates in a system of franchises, uh, so I don't think this is going to have an immediate impact on their activities in, in Africa, for example, or in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, maybe a little bit in uh, more direct impact on their activities in uh, Syria. But uh, even in Iraq, they can go on uh, with their operations unabated uh, because they are not dependent on the fact that there is somebody who is the leader for them to, to be able to operate. And uh, we just saw, by the way, uh, a few days before the uh, operation against uh, the leader, how capable ISIS is in Syria itself with this attack on the uh, jail in uh, Hasake uh, that ended up with many casualties on both sides, but uh, at least showed uh, the, the capabilities and the commitment of ISIS to operate in order to liberate uh, the, the, so to speak, the, uh, his people from, uh, from jail. And uh, that tell, tells you that they are still capable of uh, operating. We just issued a uh, report about ISIS activities in uh, 2021, and basically they were very much of the same magnitude of uh, what they did in 2020. A lot of operations, thousands of operations with thousands of people hurt uh, by their operations all over the world. What is true, and I think this is important, that uh, they have not managed to carry out many operations in uh, Western uh, territories, in the areas uh, uh, dominated by the Western world. And uh, that is the one thing that is missing from their activities compared with the past. That's why people get the impression that uh, after they were 
deprived from their ability to control uh, Iraq and uh, Syria, uh, they are less uh, capable, which is true to some extent, but not uh, so much uh, so when it comes to other areas of their operation. Indeed. Uh, General Kimmett, I'd like to ask you specifically, uh, earlier this month, uh, we heard the outgoing CENTCOM commander, uh, General uh, uh, McKenzie, speak about uh, the, the various challenges, of course, immediately, uh, some kind of a post-mortem, if you will, of uh, the operation, since he was the uh, uh, person commanding uh, the operations to capture, uh, at least that was the intended goal, uh, this uh, uh, jihadist uh, uh, individual. Uh, he spoke about the fact of the matter is the Islamic State being the most imminent and dangerous threat to the U.S. homeland uh, at this stage, uh, even though, of course, the most challenging uh, operation at uh, uh, the current uh, uh, capacity or the mission of CENTCOM is to deal with the Islamic Republic of Iran. Nonetheless, uh, the jihadist uh, group uh, that emanates from uh, this region is uh, very willing and capable of executing terror uh, or acts of terror in the United States and elsewhere. How do you see this being contended with uh, at a time when Operation Inherent Resolve, which is the U.S.-led coalition to combat this radical group, uh, is effectively still engaged in uh, very much tactical operations to try and eradicate something that is much more of a ideology that is rampant not only throughout this region. I think we've got to understand the character of these organizations. Uh, in many ways, the Americans see this like a drop of mercury. Uh, as kids, we used to play with mercury. You, you know if you slam your hand down on it, it's going to break up into small uh, pieces of mercury, but it's going to coalesce. And what we're essentially doing with these operations is just pounding on that mercury. But what brings that mercury back together into a single dot is that ideology that General Cooperman was talking about. Uh, we have understood that this is a long war. This is a war that will not end in a matter of days or weeks or months, nor will it be ended by individual operations. So we will continue to conduct this operation as long as it remains U.S. policy. But we understand that the types of strikes that we saw against Karachi last week are tactical victories, uh, but they are not strategic in nature. Uh, the one point I would make is that uh, we've got to understand that in many ways, there has been slow, steady progress. Osama bin Laden has been killed, which broke up that organization, made it less effective. Uh, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi was uh, taken off the battlefield, which broke up the Islamic State of, of Iraq. That transmuted into uh, ISIS, of which when Baghdadi was uh, taken off the battlefield, that took away that very magnetic, charismatic personality. And uh, uh, Haj Abdullah was never a charismatic personality. He was very effective tactically, but without that charisma, uh, that's going to hurt the recruiting drive. And the recruiting drive, drive is down considerably, uh, not only because of the lack of a charismatic leader, but also because of vigilance uh, on the part of local authorities. So uh, this is not going to be over anytime soon. We understand that these types of strikes are small and tactical. And even if we'd picked up Karachi 
uh, as a prisoner, the question is, would he have been of more value alive or dead? So we should just understand this is a milestone. This is not a significant operation, and uh, we shouldn't resolve to continue these operations. Indeed. Mr. Owen? Um, Israel has been one of uh, the um, leading uh, countries in the world regarding targeted killings. Uh, this is uh, not uh, to, uh, to praise it uh, or uh, to condemn it. It's just a fact, especially after the um, U.S. Congress uh, in the 1970s barred assassination plots against heads of state, as the CIA and others uh, used to, uh, to take part in uh, earlier. Uh, now, critics of targeted killings um, usually say that um, there's uh, no utility in it because there will be a new head that will emerge. But the list, which uh, General Kimmet uh, just recounted, and one may uh, add to that uh, Qasem Soleimani and others, um, does show that there are individuals whose uh, absence uh, from the battlefield has a lot of uh, impact. Now, another point uh, has to do with the character of uh, such organizations as uh, Al-Qaeda or its uh, later mutations and uh, Daesh um, as having some territorial base, which is also a safe haven if uh, a host country allows them uh, to be there. Because they are also territorially based, one may find a coalition partner in that same territory, as was the uh, case with the uh, Syrian Democratic Forces in this particular operation. And Biden and others, um, uh, Secretary Austin, expressly thanked the SDF uh, in helping to, to secure the area, perhaps uh, with uh, intelligence. So um, even though uh, it is a problem to fight ISIS uh, in, uh, in such remote places as they have been at, uh, the uh, SDF and perhaps the Turks too, uh, uh, somewhat uh, uh, northern uh, uh, strip, this is the, the uh, uh, Idbil uh, area. Idlib. Idlib area. Uh, so perhaps um, uh, there is some glimmer of hope in finding partners uh, for such operations. General Cooper Russell? I think one of the lessons we have to, to learn for that is for that even though it's not uh, totally necessary, but it helps to be present in the area where your enemy is present. Now, uh, an operation like that could have been uh, carried out by a long-range uh, missile hitting the house of uh, Al-Qurayshi and uh, getting more or less a similar result. But uh, the fact that uh, the United States prefers to use helicopters in order to get to, to the target and uh, carry out a pinpointed operation tells you that uh, having forces in the area is uh, helping you in carrying out uh, the operation in the way that's preferable to, to you in this respect. And I think this is also important uh, in the message it sends to the, to the terrorists, that uh, the Americans are ready to risk their people for these operations. They don't do it from afar. And uh, I think this is a, a, an important message for the for ISIS uh, people. The, the Americans are still here. The Americans are capable of carrying out operations, and the Americans are not afraid of doing that once they get the information that, that uh, is critical for being able to do that. And uh, from all these aspects, I think this is a this is a good operation. 
and uh, talk, talking about the uh, benefit of carrying it out in, in the sense of uh, hampering the, the capabilities of, uh, of your enemy, if the enemy loses its uh, leaders one after the other repeatedly and uh, within a short period of time, there is a reason to believe that it's going to uh, weaken it. And uh, because of that, uh, and I agree with, uh, uh, with the general and with Amir that uh, we have to uh, evaluate each case by its own merit. But uh, generally speaking, I would say that if you are managing to hit the leader of the organization again and again and again, uh, then you probably are going to have some impact on its capabilities. But General uh, Kubewasser, as an old intelligence hand, isn't there an added benefit for a special operation, uh, special forces operation, uh, uh, as against a missile uh, being launched from afar in getting uh, documents and uh, computers and other very valuable intelligence? Of course, of course. It's... Uh... I mean, that's another aspect of the of the benefits that you you can gain out of uh, getting to the place. But uh, you know, sometimes this justifies taking the risks that go uh, go along with that. Sometimes it doesn't. Depends on what you expect to find in those uh, documents. Uh, in the case of uh, which was not the case of uh, uh, target killing, but in the case of the Iranian uh, nuclear archive. Definitely, the the benefit and the, the value of the documents was uh, immense. I'm not sure that uh, in in the case that we are uh, talking about here, the, it's of the same uh, importance. But yes, there is a benefit of having the documents as well. General Kimmet, your take on this? Well, I think uh, lost in this whole discussion about uh, why we use troops on the ground rather than a missile strike is the simple question of collateral damage. Uh, as you know, uh, Secretary Austin three weeks ago, based on what happened to that drone strike inside of Afghanistan, uh, told his commanders to come up with a better way to minimize uh, collateral damage in these types of operations. There was a very significant backlash in the United States whenever, obviously, women and children are killed as part of an operation, uh, particularly if it's done through an anonymous uh, drone uh, strike on the target. When you put your people on the ground, it tremendously increases the risk. Take a look at what has happened with three helicopters now. Desert One in 79, the attack on the Obama, uh, Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden compound in Abbottabad, and now in this last operation. In all three of those cases, there was a failure of helicopters, which exponentially put uh, the mission at risk. So I think that our preferred operation uh, is to use a drone strike, but if there's too high of a chance of significant collateral damage, we're going to cho choose to put people on the ground. We do, as General Kupavasu says, lose the sensitive site exploitation capability, the documents, the recordings, so on and so forth. But uh, given the public backlash towards collateral damage, that's why we put the troops on the ground. Uh, no more reason than that. Let's expand this uh, discussion beyond this specific operation. To what degree did this deter the Islamic State, uh, and more so, actually, to what degree did this deter people from uh, across Europe, the United States, Australia, and elsewhere from now taking uh, the opportunity, if it uh, uh, emerges, to rejoin such a radical organization? Jonathan, you're asking this question through a certain cultural filter, 
But the response comes from another cultural filter altogether. What may deter people in one part of the world may only encourage others to join the movement. And uh, one, uh, of course, can go back to General Petraeus uh, some 15 years ago in uh, telling his troops, and uh, obviously General Kimmet uh, was there too, don't kill a terrorist if the way you do it uh, is going to bring us 10 more terrorists uh, uh, who are dead set uh, on avenging uh, his death. So it, it all depends on the uh, circumstances. Uh, deterrence is not the preferred option regarding um, ISIS and similar organizations. Defeating them, yes. Deterring, not so much. General Kupelwasser? Yeah, I think uh, from the terrorist point of view, they, they have lost so much uh, in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, they lost the territory that they were, that was under their control. They they are ready to lose people. They they carry out suicide attacks. So it's uh, it's not something that they are afraid to lose life. Uh, to deter them is very difficult. Much better to prevent to, to prevent them from being able to operate and to uh, arrest them and uh, kill them if necessary. If there's no other way, uh, that's uh, that's a much better better way. I think uh, that. Uh, Amir is right, and uh, General Petraeus at the time was right, uh, that once you uh, hit them, uh, for in, in the way they interpret the, the, the world structure, is that uh, you do that taking advantage of your uh, capabilities combined with your commitment to uh, fight Islam and uh, prevent Islam from having uh, the role it should uh, deserve in the world. And uh, the, the answer is uh, more activity. It's not uh, let's give up. The answer is more activity. Uh, where to act and whether they are able at all to act in, uh, in a way that is that can be considered in some sort of uh, revenge uh, depends on their capabilities. And that's why the most important thing is to prevent them from, have, from having those capabilities. Fortunately, I think in recent years, uh, the intelligence uh, capabilities of most uh, Western countries have uh, improved considerably. There's more cooperation, there's more understanding of where to look for information and more understanding of how what needs to be done. Still, there's, there are considerable gaps, but uh, there's um, uh, considerable improvements as well. And that's why we see less operations that are uh, directed towards uh, Western targets. And uh, definitely after uh, a leader is uh, being killed, there is a high, uh, high desire to, to carry out such attacks and everybody has to be on alert. And I hope that the intelligence capabilities will enable the, those who may be targets to prevent uh, such an attack from taking place. Indeed, General Kimmett. You know where I'm going to come with this for the simple reason that I published an article yesterday which used one of your great quotes uh, talking about two aspects of this. Now, America, in my mind, has a problem with post-strike communications. We have a tendency to get up there, whether you're the president or the secretary of defense, and talk about these attacks, show a lot of photos, show a lot of uh, on-site video, and allows, number one, a learning enemy to see how we operate. Uh, number two, it provides videos uh, for uh, Islamic propaganda, Islamic terrorist propaganda. So while we think we are doing the right thing by informing the American public of what happened, unfortunately, that very granular detail of what happened on the operation and 
the post-strike analysis, along with video that is produced by uh, groups such as the White Helmets, combined with the president standing up and saying, I ordered this operation and he died a coward, that's going to migrate onto social video, uh, social media, and the recruiters are going to make the best of it. And everything that we try to do to work against the recruiting effort, uh, in fact, is amplified by these types of operations and the way we communicate about it afterwards. Indeed. Mr. Owen? Um, Israel, uh, we haven't mentioned uh, so far, is the silent partner in the uh, fight against uh, Daesh. Now, we all remember starting perhaps uh, with Afghanistan and Iraq under Secretary Rumsfeld, the coalitions of the willing. But it so happens that some members of the coalition of the willing are not willing to have Israel as uh, a partner, at, at least uh, not for uh, uh, outside uh, appearances. But one should know that uh, the Israeli Defense Forces and especially the Israeli Air Force have carried out hundreds of sorties over the last uh, almost 10 years now, uh, seven, eight years at least, against uh, uh, ISIS uh, facilities and operators, mostly in Syria, also a bit elsewhere. And uh, if there is a success in the fight against uh, Daesh, Israel should get credit for it too. Indeed. Well, we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to hear a closing sentence from uh, both of you generals. Um, General Kupelwasser, we'll start with you. Well, I think we cannot uh, hide the fact that uh, we are involved in uh, these kind of attacks, and uh, the message should be that we are truly committed to this battle against terrorism, and we are going to do everything that is necessary in order to do that, even if it uh, takes... Uh, uh, operations uh, in uh, dangerous places against the leaders of these organizations. And this is the message, and I, I'm, I don't see a problem with it. General Kimmett? Well, I think we just continue the fight. Uh, it, we've been doing this since 9-11. You've been doing it in Israel for far longer than that. Uh, we can't get complacent. We need to maintain the public support for it. And as the Israeli expression goes, we just need to routinize this and understand it is simply mowing the grass. We're not going to be finished with this mission. We're not going to be finished with this war anytime soon. And we just need to maintain the resolve. Indeed, uh, Is, Israel has also to focus on Sinai to see whether this decentralized uh, mode of operation is going uh, to affect uh, how ISIS operates in Egypt. Speaking about Wilayat Sina, of course, uh, and uh, General Kimmet uh, referred earlier to the, the article, the op-ed he wrote, uh, the cipher, Brief, which was uh, brilliantly written, and I had the privilege, of course, of contributing to you to uh, that report. Enjoyed this is all the time, uh, indeed, General. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank General Kupelvassel, General Kimmet, as well as Mr. Owen for being part of today's program, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.